Comunidad, Alexis Terrazas here, El Tecolote Editor-in-Chief, and welcome back to Radio Teco News. We are recording this episode on October 27th, just days before the 42nd annual San Francisco Dia de Muertos procession, and just as the violence against Palestinians by the State of Israel continues to escalate. It isn't often that we see ethnic cleansing unfold in real time all while the world's most powerful leaders stand idly by and do nothing to stop it. But that's what we're seeing. More than 7,000 Palestinians have been killed since October 7th, and that number, unfortunately, will certainly escalate. I'm sure many of us are asking ourselves in this seemingly powerless moment, what can we do? In this episode, I speak with three women, all from the Bay Area, and all who will participate in the upcoming Vigil for Gaza, which will take place in Balmy Alley on November 2nd during Dia de Muertos in San Francisco's Mission District. In the first segment of this episode, we speak with Lucia Hippolito, who put out an open call to the community to build altares for the victims of Gaza. Later in the episode, we'll hear from Yenia Jimenez, a mother, poet, community advocate, an author who will be building an altar in Balmy Alley alongside her son, who is half Latino and half Palestinian. And our final guest for this episode will be Seham Statie, a.k.a. Susu, a 20-year-old full-time student at USF and community organizer who helped coordinate a student walkout on October 25th. Lucia Hipólito, thank you so much for joining us today. And before we get into our conversation, uh, my first and most important question, how are you? <laughs> I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I think that most of us, as we should be, are devastated and angry and unfortunately, like, forced to feel numb because we have to continue our lives as if we're not complicit in what's going on. Um, so yeah, it's a range of emotions. As, also just as a mother, I've been feeling like just a lot of grief and, um, and worry, you know, that I feel that deeply, um, you know, Lucia, because, um, yeah, I'm a dad, as you know, and I know I see you as a mom out here, organizer and artist. So um, everything you said um, resonates deeply. And, you know, I wanted to kind of kick off this conversation, you know, because uh, talking about the event that you're organizing and the space that you're organizing. Uh, but before we get into that, for, the, for folks who don't know who you are, tell us a little bit about, um, you know, yourself. Introduce yourself for those who don't know <laughs> who you are. Okay. Uh, my name is Lucia Gonzalez Epolito, or Lucia. Um, my mom's Italian and my dad is Mexican. And and my mom's side calls me Lucia and my dad's side calls me Lucia. Um, 
but uh, I'm an artist, a muralist, I'm a teacher, um, and re more recently, I'm an event organizer, um, born and raised in the Mission District. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, Chicana, Chicanx. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, I'm, you know, we're, I'm somebody and many others too are familiar with your art. Um, you know, you just mentioned artist, activist, mother, community organizer, and you are somebody that has used your platform, you know, in the past repeat or continuously too, uh, to voice and amplify, um, the, uh, experiences and struggles of, of Palestinians. And I want to talk about this event that you're organizing. Tell us a little bit about it and, um, and what's the purpose? What inspired you to, uh, to organize this event on Dia de Muertos and providing space in Balmy Alley for altars uh, commemorating you know um, deceased people or people that we have lost um, of Palestinian descent right um, this is kind of like a loaded question because there's so many different aspects I mean Balmy Alley you know historically since the 70s has been a location where artists can um, stand up against oppression and and speak out against U.S. involvement in wars in Central America. So, you know, this space is like one of the only mural walks. I mean, there's many alleys that have graffiti and murals, but it's the only one that has like continuous political murals throughout other than Clarion. Um, and it's the oldest. So, um, it's a very important sacred place that we have to maintain. And it's also a place where, um, you know, the group Placa, that was one of the first mural groups, um, did, hosted events in the alley. And through that legacy, Brooke Oliver, the artist lawyer in the alley who, who lives there still also started doing events. Um, and then this was sort of, this tradition was passed down to me. It was sort of handed to me. I mean, Brooke was kind of like, you're in charge now, <laughs> you know? So um, I feel like it has been my duty to kind of continue that legacy along with Susan Cervantes and Presida Eyes being really diligent about restoring and upkeeping the murals. But I think um, as neighbors and residents of the community, it's kind of our job to continue to, you know, partnership in that. Um, and then the second thing is that, um, you know, Rene Yanez was an important activist and artist in our community who passed away, unfortunately. But, um, but he was really one of the main pillars um, of the community who brought Dia de los Muertos to the mission. And he started that just by like putting an altar out of Galeria de la Raza, um, which he was also part of starting. And, um, you know, his intention, yes, was to continue the tradition of, you know, Latinx and indigenous um, uh, the you know festivales around around that holiday but but also to include the politics around you know our neighborhood and our city and the current times which was the early 80s um and so many people i think believe <laughs> that dia de los muertos has to remain traditional however 
we're in the United States and many things have been adapted to, you know, how we live in this country. So, um, since, you know, seventies, eighties in the United States, Dia de los Muertos has changed. It's not just a familial honoring our ancestors, also a very politicized event. So that's why, and over, over time, you know, the altars in Garfield and, and, and La Raza Park have been all very, you know, um, all inclusive. I mean, we've include, uh, we've included many different communities. So I think that's, um, I think that was really my inspiration for wanting to include this particular Dia de los Muertos focusing on Gaza victims in Palestine. I mean, um, and what is happening, um, while no, it's not new, we have seen it in the past and Palestinians have been experiencing this occupation for 75 years and Gaza has been under siege for 16 years. At the same time, they have never experienced this type of genocide since 1948. So it's extremely important that um, we continue to raise awareness and be in solidarity. Um, so that was really that was really my goal with this. Um, I you know there's still going to be altars at La Raza Park that are you know including everybody. But this is just a very small section um, in Balmy Alley. And um, the procession is starting on 22nd and Bryant. Um, again, like all, everybody's going. But um, Louis, <laughs> our, our, our special Louis from <laughs> La Reina Panaderia um, and one of our danzantes, he, um, he is part of who leads the procession. And um, he is telling everybody that this is also, you know, including Palestinians. So when they walk, you know, last year they stopped on 24th and Harrison. And this year they'll stop on 24th and Balmy. The procession starts around 7 p.m. But, you know, CPT, we're Latinos, so sometimes it starts later. <laughs> um, but we're, you know, we're going to have a, a vigil around 7, 730. Yeah. And, and vigil for um, uh, for the community you just spoke about, um, victims of Gaza, not just of this, um, you know, this recent chapter uh, of violence against Palestinians, but um, historic consequence or a hi uh, historic violence too, dating back uh, decades. It, it sounds, and um, yeah, I think it's just. And I, I mentioned this uh, before we started recording, uh, Lucia, that it, it seems like a a really wonderful opportunity. I know "wonderful" is not a word that we should use right now, but it does seem like a offering up space, like in this tr you know traditional non traditional space, however you want to frame it. But to extend an invitation to folks who are feeling a lot of grief, I think is uh, is uh, is a testament to. Um, uh, to the to this tradition, especially the one that we see in in, in the mission for for decades now, what has been the uh, response as you because you know this is this is small and it's still developing, but what has been the the response since you announced it? I believe you announced it on social media um, call for for folks to participate. What has been the response um, from folks in community uh, in in the mission community, Latino Latinx community, but also uh, of Palestinian folks? What has been the response that you've seen so far? Um, I think it's been mixed. Uh, there's been a lot of um, 
Palestinians and Latino and yeah, all, all different people from communities wanting to participate, which is great. So I'm not entirely sure how big it will be, (laughs) but you know, it's like, I'm just like, we're winging it, you know, like we can just move the altars, extend it to 24th and 25th. Like, you know, I'm inviting whoever wants to come. And I kind of, people are like, what do I do? I'm just like, just make an altar and just show up at noon. You know what I mean? Um, but, um, there's also been (laughs) some, well, there's some like Latino members of the community who feel that Dia de los Muertos should remain in the Latinx community. Um, and that concern, um, I mean, I think is just, I think maybe is just a lack of, um, you know, understanding around, like we were talking about how Dia de los Muertos has become politicized in the United States. I mean, I think, but, you know, this is a very indigenous holiday in Mexico and, um, you know, changed with the arrival of the Spanish and, and then changed with, you know, the, the, um, the forcing of religion. Right. Um, but still remained like traditional to celebrating our ancestors, um, which is very indigenous. Um, so, I mean, in my opinion, you know, Palestinians are also indigenous and also honor their ancestors. So there is no reason why we can't be, you know, um, partnering on this. Um, however, some people don't feel that way. So, um, that was one review. (laughs) And then, uh, another concern is that, you know, I mean, I've also just been getting like a few different emails and phone calls and messages about, um, just from like uh, Zionist and pro-Israeli neighbors who um, I just don't really answer because I don't feel like that conversation is really going to go anywhere. Um, and they just say that they don't support it and that they don't want, you know, their property like at all involved. And usually the only thing I say is like, well, what's your address so that we avoid your property? But sometimes they don't answer. So, <laughs> um, and then... And then the third pro the third um um thing is just we have a lot of uh neighbors in our community who I think contribute to the problem of gentrification where they just don't want us to celebrate anything in our community and don't want they want a very specific uh clean and uh, policed and um, white (laughs) uh, city, right? So they don't want any form of, of, you know, inconvenience, I guess. Uh, So those people are the ones that like, you know, threaten to call the police and, and say that I need a permit and say that, you know, I better have a good lawyer and I better have insurance. And then I give them Brooke Oliver's number. (laughs) Um, but, uh, but yeah, those are the, those are the, those are the, that's the other side of like the three different, um, 
you know. Yeah, well, you know, I hope, um, uh, I, I believe the community side will prevail in, in that respect. So, um, you know, all power to you in, in, uh, in making this event possible. And I know this is probably an unfair question um, because I know it's probably still early on in the development. Um, uh, and no worries if, if not, but if you can't answer it. But um, any idea of what we might expect for, um, you know, for some of what uh, some of these altars have uh, will look like? And I don't know if you've been in, in conversation with some people who have already, um, you know, voiced interest in participating. Again, apologies for the unfair, if it's an unfair question, but, um, you know, any idea of what these altars might look like, what people might be able to see and uh, and who might be participating that some of us might know? I don't think it's an unfair question because normally when people organize, they're pretty organized, <laughs> but I'm not because I'm currently in grad school and um, working and also have a toddler. So I just like, this was a very like spontaneous and I think like grassroots organized. I also want to say it's not an event. Um, you know, yes, Dia de los Muertos as a whole is our event in the mission, but when I'm doing, I want to make it clear to everybody, like, especially those that don't want us to do it, like, this is not necessarily this part is not an event. Because a vigil is not an event. A vigil is a way that people who are mourning and need to grieve come together to, to be together in an, you know, in a space where they can um, honor their loved ones who have passed on. Um. And then altars, you know, again, like that's really just for viewing and is just for people to pass by and see, um, see what people have created. And I don't actually really know some, some artists, Palestinian and not Palestinian have at, like, some people don't have capacity to create altars, but they've asked if they can like just submit artwork, which I think is cool. So, um, you know, we might just like put them behind people's altars or put them on tables next to them or something. But, um, but there's been probably at least 20 people who have told me they're going to make altars. Um, and then I've heard that pe people I know, know other people who said they want to make altars, but you know, I don't, I don't know who they are, but people know that it's kind of open. So, um, I just told people like, just bring your materials and just set up. Um, and I said that we want it specifically around Gaza victims and, and Palestine. So I think that's really what people, and you know, some people, um, like one, one woman I know she's, um, she's Latina, but her son is half Palestinian. So it's like, they really, you know, she like a lot and, and somebody else too was talking about their kids, you know, like a lot of people want to do this for their kids. And I think that's really cool. Um, but yeah, I really, I really, to be honest, have no idea what it's going to look like. I, I hope that it will be like just full of altars. I did tell people to try to do battery operated candles, <laughs> right? just so it's not like a fire hazard in Balmy, but, um. But other than that, I mean, I'm I'm hoping that we will see a lot of them. Yeah, thank you, uh, Lucia, and thank you for that clarification. My my apologies if I misspoke earlier, um, calling it a um, you know misnaming it as an, an event. My apologies for that. Um, and um, second to last question here, uh, you've been really gracious with your time. Um, you know, all of us that have been paying attention um, and not falling prey to corporate media 
have really seen um, the just utter devastation and suffering and grief, um, you know, that uh, our Palestinian relatives have been experiencing right now. And, um, you know, I want to offer this space to you to, you know, what's the message in this time of, of grief and misinformation, um, you know, and propaganda. I don't and I don't use that word lightly, but I really feel like that's what we're seeing right now from a lot of corporate media. Um, what message do you have uh, or what's the message that you want to amplify uh, to folks that are that are listening in uh, right now? Um. I mean, with, you know, with everything that's happening, I think it's really hard to, like, not feel somewhat hopeless. You know, I mean, over 6,000 Palestinians are dead, and um, I think over 2,000 of them being children. And then another 2,000 are buried under rubble. Uh, over 80,000 women are pregnant in Gaza. Millions of people have been displaced. And then many people are now, I mean, I think yet yeah, all of the north of Gaza and south too is without um, water, food, electricity, um, and medical aid. And, and we're not allowing humanitarian aid in. So um, this is like catastrophic. And um, I mean, we are literally complicit in like this genocide, which is um, disgusting and horrible. Um, so those, I think the hopeless feeling is valid, but one thing that does give me hope is that, um, I think we're in like a new period of, which is weird because like, you know, phones and in social media, and I think a time where there's kind of actually like a lack of literacy make it so that, um, there's kind of been just a lack of, um, you know, critical thinking, but I think we're actually at a turning point with that because many young people are like actively re-educating themselves, um, which I think is really amazing. Um, and that gives me hope because, um, people are really interested in learning, you know, the history of Palestine. And, you know, I'm like, there was a couple young people that reached out to me and said, they just like, they just don't know. And I'm giving, I'm telling them to read Edward Said and, you know, um, Naomi Klein, um, Nora Erekat. Um, so, and, you know, and, and then like sharing resources, like, you know, Iraq, um, Middle East Children's Alliance, Jewish Voice for Peace. Um, these are all really important um, organizations in our community. And then, um, and then just the importance, understanding the importance of journalism and that like, yeah, part of critical thinking is like really questioning like what you're listening. Um, I mean, currently in Gaza, the only only news on the ground is Al Jazeera, which they're trying to ban. Um, and doing so by killing journalists, children, and families, which is like completely horrific. Um, so these journalists are not just like so important for our knowledge, but also they're martyrs. Um, 
So I think, you know, these people um, give me hope, these people that are actively trying to learn, and then these people that are actually trying to educate. Um, That gives me hope. And then just like Palestinians in general. I mean, if you go talk to Palestinians, they are so like, I don't even get it because it's like they have humor through everything. They have light and happiness through everything. You know, um, I went into the the market near, what's it called? The one right by the old Jerusalem restaurant, you know, across from Reims. They've been there forever. But um, I mean, he was watching, he was recently, I think it was yesterday where the man was, um, the father was in Gaza and he was, I mean, this happens all the time. So it's not just one person, but he's looking for his children under buried rubble and the bold, the bulldozer can't even get to his house. And he's discovering his children, like, you know, kissing his daughter's toe. And I was just like sobbing when I heard this, but, um, uh, but he's watching this and his eyes are full of tears and I'm buying like some stuff for an altar that I was doing at St. Mary's college. I was giving a talk on this. Um, and he just like handed me a kafia for free and was like, make sure you wear this there and like started laughing. And, um, so, you know, the, I think these people that are carrying so much weight on their shoulders and trying to be so strong, um, you know, we as as brown, as indigenous people, we know what it is to experience oppression and genocide. So I think that's my last message is that just like, you know, like Nelson Mandela said, without the freedom, without the liberation of Palestinians, there is no liberation for anyone. Or I'm probably paraphrasing, he said something like that. But, you know, um, <laughs> we... Unity and solidarity are what will achieve liberation, Um, not peace. Liberation does not go hand in hand with peace. It goes hand in hand with solidarity, and we have to fight for each other. Um, We can do so many things. I think people feel like they can't do anything, but we can call our representatives. We can show up to actions. We can boycott. We can divest you know, you, it's very easy. There's, there's barcodes. You can find out what's made in Israel. You can boycott all these companies. We can delete our Amazon prime accounts. We don't need them. You know what I mean? Like there's so many things we can do. And, um, and without this pressure, the United States is not going to stop, but you know, that's the power that they have is that if the United States said today to ceasefire, Israel would do it. That's the, that's the power the United States has over Israel. And we have to remember that, that we're not helpless as United States citizens. Lucia Hippolito. I keep going back and forth between Lucia and Lucia. Okay. It really doesn't matter as long as it's not Lucia. (laughs) Well, uh, Lucia Hippolito, I really appreciate your time. And uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. And now... Here's our conversation with Yenia Jimenez, who speaks to us about what motivated her to build this altar with her son. I want my son to be proud of who he is. I want him to know, and he knows, we've been telling him since he was little, you know, people would tell us, don't, you know, you shouldn't talk to him about these things. You shouldn't, 
you know, like he's at the protest, like what if it gets violent? I'm like, no, um, the protests out here are usually very peaceful. I think that he can grow and learn through being in solidarity and community and learning more about his people and what they're going through. Um, when I saw the call out, I just was immediately, especially because um, Amir and my son's family are in Palestine right now. They're, they were in Betanina and they were able to get out of Betanina and then they were on the border of going to Amman and now they've made it over. But for a while we were really concerned because Betanina has never been occupied like it's it, it was more in Ramallah and like all the neighboring kind of areas. But if you look at a map of Palestine and you look at where the you know settlers kind of started putting their bases, it surrounds the whole area. And the middle is just not where they had really moved into. So, um, yeah, I was just really called to just do something to honor all the kids, all the people who have passed away throughout the generations um, and just, you know, do something beautiful for them and hold space in community tell us a little bit about the altar that you will be uh creating that day on on november 2nd i want to include just um it's going to be a dedication to the kids in syria and and all over the middle east and africa really uh, really all indigenous lands right now are suffering a lot um it's it's palestinians though like i tell people when when you know People know that my son is half Palestinian, so they'll be like, oh, like, it's so crazy what's happening. And it's not out of, like, anger, but I do get kind of frustrated and I have to check myself because I know people are not educated to the matter and they don't know what's been going on for so many generations that I have to check my own energy and be like, you know what? This has been happening for generations, essentially. Think of what happened to our Native American peoples and like our indigenous peoples all over. Even my own family went through colonization. And um, I just, I think about all of that and I'm just like, you know, that's basically what's happening to our Palestinian folks right now. One of the things I wanted to ask too, uh, you mentioned kids, right? And you know, that resonates obviously, you're a mom. Um, and, uh, I think that's been among the most heartbreaking things that we've seen, um, you know, so far, right. And throughout history, um, you know, what are some of the, cause we know how altars kind of like, they have the sempasulchi, or they'll have like, you know, things that they, you know, you can remember folks by pan de muerto or their favorite beverages. And sometimes a lot of times even photos, right. So what are, um, I guess if you want, cause you're an artist and you're a fabulous artist, uh, I'm curious as to like what artistically you're going to incorporate uh, yeah. what can people expect to see when they when they look at your altar when i well i'm thinking about it in the you know formal tradition of mexico where um they include the sempasuchi flowers and they kind of have all the elements right um so i told my son i think we should try to include palestinian flowers um olive branches from palestine we're gonna go to oh my gosh what's the name of that well there's a store a jerusalem store right on mission um and we were thinking of just getting a bunch of products from palestine and just you know incorporating things that like kanafa like things that you know that are delicious and kind of like a ofrenda um i was really taken aback when i heard that a lot of people were like this is not something we should do you know um I think we should always honor our, our folks who are on the other side, right? And there's ways to incorporate and kind of not like blend our traditions, but yeah, you know, have solidarity in that way. Like why should altars be, you know, like gate kept? Like that's essentially not what we're trying to do. You know, we're trying to build community and show that we're, 
here in solidarity and showing up for people and one more beautiful way to honor the people who are passing for generations in Palestine and in Gaza and all indigenous lands really but yeah I'm, a, I'm thinking of incorporating some posters that I've kind of inherited throughout the years with you know like images of Palestine um, we were originally going to do like a collage of all the children that we could find um, but you know I just I feel like I don't want to exclude anyone, you know, so I kind of want to make a general one. We're going to put like little shoes, little dulcitos palestinos, um, the flag, like a bunch of things that just mm -hmm. kind of, you know, blend in both um, the elements that, you know, are made for an altar and then um, bringing the elements of Palestine to the altar. Yeah. You mentioned something that is really interesting because I heard the same things you were hearing about maybe some of this community backlash, right? Yeah. Like, Hey, this is, that's not traditional. And <clears throat> this question always really intrigues me. And not just when it comes to like Dia de Muertos, but anything like even music, right? right. Some people think, you know, said works of art are like off limits for reinterpretation. Um, but it's interesting because Dia de Muertos as a is a is a is a is a celebration that predates even Spanish colonization, mm -hmm. and no matter what any like any tradition, it undergoes right. uh, evolution, right? And it just that's what happens. Um, so I felt when like this came up, I thought it was just a very interesting um, and uh, you know show of solidarity, like right. an exact show of solidarity. So I thought that was um, really powerful. And um, and I guess my last one of my last questions, um, Yania, and thank you for your time, has been. What does this mean, right? Because we see Dia de Muertos every year, you right. know, and obviously now it has like this added added weight, this added right. layer. Um, you know, what does having this space to not just commemorate like your own uh, deceased loved ones, but again, to like see it as an opportunity for solidarity, right? Intercultural solidarity and having inviting your son to be mm -hmm. part of this process. Like what? does that mean to you and I know that's a complicated open-ended question but what does that what does that mean for you yeah I think <clears throat> like I said I want my son to be proud of all of his identities um you know his family is from you know they're they're Palestinian and then he's also Guatemalan and stuff and a bunch of other stuff <laughs> but you know the whole it starts it starts now you know like you have to plant those seeds early of under letting them understand what everything means. And a lot of people tell me, oh, don't, you know, tell them these things or don't teach them that. Like, no, se va a poner mal or whatever. I remember as a kid going to George Washington Carver in Hunter's Point. I remember going to the marches. I remember going to protests. I remember when we went and stood on the naval shipyard with our masks on because it was unhealthy to breathe in. But I'm like... I live right over the hill, so should I be wearing a mask all the time, you know? Um, and I think about how just, like, the current land we, we're sitting on or standing on um, and all the stuff that are the original peoples went through, it's essentially what's happening in Palestine. And my son, you know, like, is very proud of who he is. He looks Palestinian, like, you know, and he's proud of it, and I want him to be proud, and I want him to know what's going on. I want him to... You know, I kind of want to pass the baton over and be like, you know, now it's your generation that's going to, you know, like take this on. I even told him when um, Guatemala was going through some things as well. And he's like, man, like our family is going through so much in Guatemala. They can't go to the hospital. They can't cross over. They can't get food. 
And then in Palestine, my family's stuck and all my little cousins might not come back. You know, um, he's like, like, why is this happening? Like he it's already making him not grow fury, but more grow more of a understanding of his place in, in it. And he's like, damn, you know, my people are suffering on both sides. But yeah, it's planting the seeds early, educating him. Um, you know, I want to empower him to, you know, use his voice where we've been silenced for generations, especially his ancestors, you know, on both on both sides. Right. Um, but yeah, I just want him to grow up, you know, like being in community like I did. I know how it, it helped me in my path. And yeah, I just want him to kind of be a positive person, you know, and be a part of the change, I guess. I don't know. Yenia, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. I really thank appreciate you. it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Finishing up this episode, we speak with Seham Statie, the American-born daughter of displaced Palestinians. Here is our conversation about how she's planning to participate in the vigil. Yeah, and I'd like to ask you a question too regarding the um, the altar display and making that's going to take place at Balmy Alley for this year's Dia de Muertos. Um, I think it's an interesting opportunity to you know provide space, you know. But I want to ask you, how did you learn about this this opportunity? Yeah, let's start there. How did you learn about this opportunity? Yeah, so my great friend Mateo, I th and the, Mateo got us connected. Uh huh. They told me, "Oh my God, have you seen this? Like, you should come slide through. Like, even like come and make your own altar." And I was like, "Yes, of course," because I live with two Latinas right now, and we're actually currently making a altar in our house. And so I was like, "Okay, yeah, of course, of course. I would love to make an altar because you know I do have um, family that's passed. My actually, my father passed away." four years ago it's gonna be four years in february 25th so um i definitely i love i love the idea of really like letting people who passed away people who transcended to another another realm you know past ours um and remembering them and keeping their name and spirit alive and their stories and who they were as people and and really making sure that the good lives on forever. And that's so beautiful to me. And so once I saw the flyer, I couldn't help but just automatically want to be a part of it. And, you know, I said, oh, my, I'm doing it at home. I have to come and share, you know, my grandparents' stories too, because they were murdered in cold blood by Israeli government and militia. Yeah. Um, it's also another story. Back in 1978, uh, Lebanon, where my parents uh or grandparents went after they were displaced you know my uh grandfather was a freedom fighter a resistant fighter so you know his family was really missing him because he went to palestine as he left them in lebanon thinking that was a safe haven he came back to wi visit one week and you know um that was the last week he he saw you know he lived and you know they bombed the whole building what we're seeing now they bombed it all the residents right now, all the residents that were living died. Everybody passed away. But my mom was the only one who to survive because my mom was also in that. My mom survived under rubble for three days. And it if it wasn't for her wailing out, crying and, and just, you know, yeah. And just 
showing her voice, you know, she would have never been rescued. You know, and they would have taken another family. They would have wept around uh, um, out another family. And, you know, we see that today. We see that happen today. And we saw that happen 75 years ago. We saw it happen 50 years ago. And it's been a constant. Every single day, they've been taking lives. They've been incarcerating people. Um, yeah. Um, condolences on the, the passing of your father. And uh, of course, your your ancestors too. And you know, this question, this next question, um, is related to obviously what we're seeing unfolding now. This latest chapter, right? Which you articulated that is not nothing new, right? It's something that we're we're seeing again. Um, what does it mean for you as um, as a daughter of Palestinians, as as a granddaughter of Palestinians, to to create this altar in this space? Um, considering your family history and what's unfolding right now, what is what does that mean for you to have this space to express yourself and remind and remember your family? Well, it means the world to be able to express this because I've come from a place that if you don't have the same views as these white people, if you don't understand, yeah, just if you don't w walk on the same path as they do, have that same wavelength and mindset then you're going to be looked at you're going to be judged you're going to be you know oppressed you're going to just be um targeted you're going to have your voice suppressed but you know ha you know prevailing after all of that and continuing to speak out no matter whether you get docs fired your offer rescinded that doesn't mean anything because it's in your bones. Like I, I always say, it's in my bones, not only in my blood. You know, we say, dummy Falastini. We, and it's also in our bones that we resist and that we do more because also it means more being an American, having a citizenship. So I, knowing that privilege that, you know, I can, like, I have the constitution, you know, protesting, speaking out, that is our in our constitution, that they speak so highly of, and that they never fail to not use in anything, you know what I'm saying, like, the first thing that they try to go back with is, oh, this is my constitution, it is my constitution to bear arms, well, it's not in the constitution to go, you know, kill people with that, and you know, and it's, it's just, it's, it's, in me it's my duty i have to do this i have a privilege i have to speak out you know like my grandparents were taken too long my aunt and uncle like they didn't have this opportunity to come speak about this so i have to be their voice you know and, and i'm so powered by my ancestors and i i know the the power it is to connect with them and and hear them because I've only been an echo to what my grandparents want to say. And I, you know, every time I talk, it's like I kind of black out because like, I don't know, I'm in a different space where I just let my heart and soul talk for me. And I, I always let that. And I know I always say you can never go wrong when you're speaking from the heart. You can never go wrong. Like, I, you know, it. I'll never not speak out about Palestine. You know, that that's a that's common between all Palestinians. But whether or not, you know, you're you're uh supported with that, that's that's another thing. And I think that like you just gotta go. You gotta go with it, you gotta do it, you gotta understand that you have lineages behind you supporting you. Mm -hmm. How did you uh, or tell us a little about the altar 
that you're planning to make, um, you know, that'll be in display on in Balmiali. What do you, uh, you know, yeah, tell us about that altar, what you've done so far. Yeah, so I've been uh, asking my mom if she has any pictures, if she has um, anything. You know, my grandpa, he loved to write. He loved journaling. Like the OG journal, journaler, journaler, no, journal. Yeah, 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 I will say. Ah, <laughs> see, uh, also English, very broken, very, I like to say I have out of Gleazy, um type of speaking, which is like the both, where I like to combine the both. But um, he loved to write. He loved to write. And so it's just so beautiful because before uh, we left our homes, we buried all our pictures. We buried, he buried everything, all his money, all his be- belongings, everything, thinking that we would be back in like two weeks and until this all come down. But, you know, 75 years later, they weren't able to return. So I'm really trying to find the, the, the things that have been able to be recovered and, and they took with them. Um, and I'm trying to bring a lot of my art. I love to uh, draw. I love to write poems. So I'm trying to make it filled with a personalization of like, you know, of me and everything that I love and everything that I think of once I think of Palestine, it's going to be there. And, um, yeah, but I'm super excited to see how it, everything goes. And we've been making those little tissue paper flowers all day. We've been like making them like marigolds and I'm really excited. I'm really excited because, you know, that's, that's the thing. Like we lead our trail uh to our ancestors so they can come and we can be closer to them than we've ever been in that in that day so i'm very excited a sincere thank you to lucia yenia and seham thank you all for listening